Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email. Just shoot those emails to TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined once again, and as always, by my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, how are you, buddy? It is Blue Beetle Week. Happy Blue Beetle Week, Eric. Yeah, this is uh, this will be a nice little lead-in to that movie. Um, it feels like we haven't recorded in forever. Um, and you know, you're right because we. Uh, yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. We recorded the last the last one ahead of time. So, gosh, has it been three weeks? Yeah, three, three weeks, weeks since we've recorded. Yeah, and and now um now we'll you know with the movie coming out this weekend, hopefully if all things go to plan, we'll be recording twice in one week. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll have uh I don't I haven't decided if we do record after Blue Beetle. I don't know if because. Honestly, just judging by ticket sales, I want people to be able to see the movie before we put out the episode. So I haven't decided if I'm going to wait a week after we record, but we'll we'll see. We'll talk about that. Uh, but either here nor there, this is the week that a new DC film releases. We have Blue Beetle coming out as as we're recording this on Monday, August 14th. It comes out officially this coming Friday. And we wanted to kind of celebrate that Blue Beetle was coming out by kind of dedicating an episode to Blue Beetle. Uh, so we are going to get into a few animated episodes that Joe and I have watched in preparation for this. So we're going to go over those in a moment. But first, Joe, um, I don't even think we had discussed this the last time we recorded. It kind of came in after we recorded. I recorded a little spot uh, to, to put into the episode beforehand. But we do have a new partner sponsor in organic priced books. How exciting is that? Yeah, you had sent me the info on it. Um, yeah, it happened like right after we recorded. And um, and we've already had some people use it. Which yeah, is we've actually had quite a few people take advantage of our uh, our link to go to organic price books and they've used our promo codes and saved on some awesome graphic novels and collected edition of comics. So I would highly recommend guys, if you, if there's anything on your wish list, if you're looking for a particular omnibus or absolute edition or a deluxe edition, or even just a trade paperback, go to our link in the description of this podcast and go to organic price books there. Use our promo codes. You can use the first one that's TFR bat pod and get $2 off your order. Or if you order three or more books, you can use the code TFR bat pod, ship it together and get 5% off your total order. Now there's all kinds of things. I know I just got the the Batman TM TMNT omnibus. We have Superman for All Seasons, the Absolute Edition coming soon. So there's all kinds of exciting DC and Marvel or IDW or Dark Horse. There's all kinds of exciting books out there. So go take advantage of that and save yourself a little bit of money and support this show along the way. Now, Joe, I know like I, I had said it in that little ad we recorded last week, but for me, I I think Omnibus and Absolute are my favorite way to collect these books. What don't you think so? Well, it seems like in all honesty, it seems like right now those are kind of the only books I'm buying other than like a few deluxe hardcovers, but the Omnibuses and the the Absolutes like we have Superman for all seasons coming out soon and the great the one thing I really liked about Organic or excuse me, Organic Price Books is you can pre-order. A lot of the other discount sites you mm -hmm. can't do that. So I love that you can pre-order um, these books before they, you know, come out. You don't have to wait till they they're actually released to to save. Absolutely. So I'm looking into Superman for All Seasons already because that's one that's definitely on my yeah, radar. absolutely. And you know, there's there's several that I want, and and like you said, the pre-order feature is is amazing. And but the the thing about these these books, these absolutes and these deluxe editions or or the omnibus, they're not cheap. 
but through places like Organic Price Books, who they're a small business, they've been around for a couple of years, and they're really big on the community. Uh, they're offering you a, a huge discount already, and then, but by becoming a listener or just being a listener of this show, they're saving you even more. So again, go down to the description of this podcast, use that link to go order you some books and use our codes to support this show and save while you're doing it. But yep, that's organic priced books. But without further ado, Joe, we've got three animated episodes that we're going to get into today and they're all blue beetle centric. So why don't we just go ahead and get into it? The first two episodes we're going to cover are from the series, Batman, the brave and the bold. All right, Joe. And before we really get into the episodes here, I want to give you kudos because kind of for the second episode in the in a row, this is all on you. This was your idea. We were actually going to do something completely different. And then you brought it to my attention. Hey, why don't we do this? Um, you gave me the idea. Let's cover a few episodes here to kind of celebrate Blue Beetle. So I wanted to give you kudos. Thank you for thinking of things that I don't. Uh, that's why we're a good team. So what made the what made this spring to mind when you were thinking about Blue Beetle? Honestly, it was just for myself. I was kind of thinking of how to prepare myself for the film. Um, I didn't get a chance to read any comics quite yet because. Uh, I did this prior and I, I hadn't just, it was just like, okay, I'm going to try to read some comics. I'm not that familiar with Blue Beetle in the comics, to be honest with you. I, I really haven't read much of, I've, I don't think I've ever read a solo Blue Beetle comic. So I was like, all right, what have I seen that's Blue Beetle? And I, I remember he plays a huge part in Young Justice and he plays a pretty big part in Batman, the Brave and the Bold. He's, you know, focused, he's, pretty much the focus on the pilot episode of Batman, the brave and the bold. So I really just did some research and like, okay, what could we, what episodes would be a good spot to focus on? And I really just did a quick, you know, Google search and young justice was the hard one to try to figure out because it's so serialized. Like how could we pick one episode, but kind of fell on one, watched it to try to make sure it was relevant. And I think it is. And the brave and the bold one was pretty simple. Cause it's just two early episodes that, really focus on Jaime as a character and really get to, and that one was so perfect too, because it's mm -hmm. a Batman show. So we're not, we're not straying completely from Batman here. Um, even young justice has Batman adjacent characters in it, but Batman brave and the bold is such a great show in general. And to then have the Batman team up with blue beetle, which again, first episode he's front and center. Um, pretty much a no brainer to start there. And one thing I will admit though, um, in my search, I'm surprised that you didn't suggest the Smallville episode as we've been so big on Smallville lately. Um, me and you going through our, our, my first watch of Smallville and you going through your rewatch, he does show up in Smallville, which I did not know. Um, have you, do you remember that oh, at all? Or you no? just, you just like refreshed my memory. I had completely forgotten about that, but yeah, you're right. He does. This the suit's pretty funny. I just saw a picture of the suit and wow, I can't wait to get to that. And you know, it's not uh, quite <laughs> the suit that we're getting in this new movie. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it's not. But anyway, thank you for the suggestion. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into it. Um, so first we are covering the pilot episode of Batman, the brave and the bold. And this one is titled rise of the blue beetle. So uh, getting into, we're going to kind of go through the synopsis here and talk about it as we go. Uh, so to get us kicked off at the beginning of the episodes, teaser Batman and green arrow are seen tied up in clock Kings death trap. As clock King goes to his next heist, the two heroes escape the death trap while bantering on who is the better hero. The heroes stop clock Kings defense systems and then go after clock King himself. 
The episode picks up with Jaime Reyes and his friend Paco watching the final fight between Clock King, Batman, and Green Arrow. Jaime then asks Paco if he could picture him as a hero, to which Paco responds that he is a geek. After Paco leaves, Batman shows up and asks Jaime's help on a mission. Jaime is then revealed to be the Blue Beetle, who transforms and rockets out of his bedroom window. As the two try to stop a meteor from hitting a space station, Jaime's suit takes control of him and then teleports them to the other side of the Milky Way galaxy. Now, this is a great start to this episode because I'll be honest with you. I I remember watching this show for the first time because I didn't watch The Brave and the Bold as it was airing. I kind of caught up with it later. But to introduce Jaime in a way where you think he's just kind of a superhero fan and you don't know, because I remember the first time I watched this, I thought, okay, we're going to, we're going to go from this kid who loves superheroes into him becoming Blue Beetle, like the origin of Blue Beetle. But that's not what it does at all. He's already Blue Beetle, but he's still this superhero mega fan and especially a fan of Batman. Uh, so I just, I love this intro, the banter between him and his friend, and then kind of the, the exchanges between him and Batman here at the beginning. Yeah, it's it's a really fun introduction, and it you know it's it's so crazy to think that this is the the first ever episode of Batman: Brave and the Bold, and they chose to. I mean, other than the Green Arrow cold open, they start right with Blue Beetle from from the get go, and it's so fun to yeah, you're getting you're getting the tone of the show right away. You're getting these two kids just having this conversation, and they're just you know bantering back and forth, and yeah, we I. I can't even remember what I thought the first time I watched this, to be honest. But now looking back, like it's like you obviously know it's Blue Beetle at this point, because like I said, I don't remember not knowing it was him. I knew he was him from the beginning. Um, But yeah, just, you know, Batman standing in the window and him coming over, like how long you've been there Mm. or whatever. And it's just it's it's very, you know, we get Diedrich Bader's, uh, you know, wonderful Batman voice and and all of the the humor that goes with it but playing it straight it's it's so fun everything about this show it, it's crazy to think that it starts just like this with again with like, like what made them decide to start with blue beetle and he plays such a huge role throughout the show that's a great point because it's definitely not conventional wisdom to start a new batman show with a character like blue beetle but I think it, it really makes sense, especially with what we talked about on the last episode, because, you know, we, we know how hard they wanted to shift away from this type of show um, when they went with Beware the Batman. But up until then, we'd only had, you know, throughout the 90s and the early 2000s, we had only had kind of a little more serious Batman with the animated series and mm-hmm. even the Batman. Uh, but this sets a tone right from the beginning, you know, it, it's not too childish, but it's also fun for the family, I would say. And Blue Beetle is a perfect character for that. Well, it almost is kind of to a to a point, it's kind of playing with the same thought process that went into Beware the Batman because it's going with a sidekick, but not Robin. And Robin does show up in this show, but not very mm-hmm. often, if I remember right. Like he's here once in a while, but it's mainly Batman teaming up with other superheroes, just like the comic yeah. in the bold. But to start with Jaime or Jaime, um, it's their way of doing like a younger sidekick that's just. It's just not Robin. It's someone different. Give you a different perspective on Batman teaming up with yeah. other heroes. All right, so going farther into the episode, after observing a fight between the Gibbles, I think that's how you say that, um, the Gibbles and Kanjar Row, the local Gibbles declare that their savior, Blue Beetle, has returned. Batman, playing along, promises that Blue Beetle will save their people. A reluctant Blue Beetle rallies the Gibbles around... Uh, rallies the Gibbles who stage a daring raid on Kanjar Row's pirate ships. With the help from the Blue Beetle and Batman, Kanjar Ro is defeated. However, Kanjar Ro takes the Gamma Gong, which he used to kill a previous Blue Beetle, and removes Jaime's suit. His men then proceed to overpower Batman and the Gibbles and leave them for the fierce space creatures to devour. 
Now, this was interesting um, for me because when you get to this planet, I mean, other than the silly, you know, the silly little creatures who inhabit this planet, you've got Kanjar Row and there's this battle going on. Other than all of that, you've got a lot of setup here and they don't even really go into it until the next episode we're going to talk about. But they they set up that blue that Jaime is not the only blue beetle. There have been predecessors to him. And for a show that's so kid friendly and so family friendly, I thought it was interesting that they make it clear that at least one blue beetle has died in like in the course of his, of his service. So I found that pretty interesting in a show like this. Yeah, I guess that's the difference between the censors on what was, was it Fox back in the day was Batman, the animated series. Um, and then here, this was Cartoon Network. So they were able to get away with a little bit more, but yeah. And they play it off as a joke. Like nothing is ever too serious. Like nothing is ever too adult for the kids, obviously, but they, yeah, they, they don't shy away from the, for lack of a better term, trigger words that they used to have for Batman, the animated series. Like you weren't allowed to say kill or die. It was like destroy. Like they used to find ways around those words where here they're just they're playing it straight they're they're doing their thing and it was fine but yeah i love how it was like batman would say something and jaime would kind of be like wait what and batman would be like oh never mind (laughs) like it was just like it was all played for laughs but you you know there's more to the story and it's cool that we we chose two of the correct episodes to get the the follow-up for that (laughs) yeah and i love that that part where you know they're talking about the previous uh blue beetle and Batman says, well, you know, I can't remember exactly what he says, but something about, you know, passing on the mantle if he dies. And Jaime was like, they just looked at him really funny. And he said, or retires. Yes, that's exactly the, yeah, that was the part. I yeah. Was so, but I, I also love that they set up that blue beetle is not just a earthbound hero there. He's kind of a galactic hero, I would say, because there's, you know, we have this, other world across the galaxy that hails blue beetle as a hero. They even have a a statue erected of him. So I thought that was a pretty cool setup for the character. Well, yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask you is so it's, it's pretty much hinted at that there are more than just the three that we're familiar with by the time these two episodes are over with, they're hinting at the fact that no, the scarab has attached to other people that we're not even Mm -hmm. aware of. And that, that's really interesting. It goes above and beyond the lore of even what we're seeing right in front of us. So that I really loved because obviously we know that we're going to learn about um, Ted Cord and Dan Garrett. Is it Dan I Garrett? think so. Yeah. Um, we're going to learn about them and they, they play with their mythos a little bit here, but yeah, I love that there's just a big history of this alien creature that we really don't know anything about. And, you know, Batman knows a little bit more than, than blue beetle does, yeah. but yeah, really, um, really yeah. interesting. Well, moving on here while Kanjaro tries to remove the scarab from Jaime, Batman finds that the gibbles can be powered up by electricity when they take, when they take to be the power within that blue beetle mentioned in his previous speech on the second attack on Kanjaro's ships. Kanjaro uses the scarab on himself and easily defeats Batman. However, Jaime finds a way to free himself from his prison and takes the gamma gong and uses it on Kanjaro while the gibbles take on the other pirates. At the end of the episode, the Gibbles raise a statue of Batman in thanks for helping them, although it is dwarfed in comparison by Blue Beetle statue, to which Batman responds that it is the thought that counts. So <laughs> I really like the ending here. I love that kind of Jaime kind of had to learn how to be a hero as we're going along um, with a bigger task than he's ever faced. I love that Batman kind of is his mentor here and I even I, I really like that the Gibbles consider Batman Blue Beetle's sidekick. They call him sidekick all through mm-hmm. the episode, and then when we get this statue yeah. at the end, it's way shorter than Blue Beetle's, which I I thought was was clever. Um, so yeah, all in all, I think this is a really neat pilot for this show, and I really love the involvement of Blue Beetle. Um, the Gibbles probably not the strongest supporting characters here, but it, they they are what they are. So. 
Um, but I think the major point is that Blue Beetle is there to take care of those who who are maybe you know not able to defend themselves. So, and that's a neat message. Yeah, I'll admit this. This episode loses me a little bit when they get on this planet and it gets a little too you know. Um, I don't even want to say childish, but like just a little silly, you know, not characters I'm familiar with because they, and that's what this show did a lot of where they, they would take characters from the, I guess it was the silver age. I would, I I guess even some golden age, I guess. Yeah. Even some golden age, I guess, but they would take characters that, you know, showed up for a few of those, you know, bonkers stories from that age. And, and they would really give them the time of day, which is fun. Like, I like that. Like, um, the villain, I'll be honest with you, the first time I heard the name, I was thinking of the villain in uh, Superman and Lois. Um, what the heck is the brother's oh, name? Talro. You know, the Talro. For some reason, that was the name that kept popping into my head. That makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's one of those shows where like they would, they, they'll introduce this character and I'll be like, oh, is that a real character? And I'll look it up and sure as hell, like it shows up in some random issue. And, but yeah, it's, it's a fun introduction to get to know Batman and his dynamic with Blue Beetle. And that's the point of the show. And it, like you said, it has a cool message at the end for Blue Beetle. It's, it's a cute episode. It's a good pilot. And, um, but I do think this show improves over this episode. Yeah, and so there's a little, just one little piece of trivia here. Um, Clock King, at the beginning of the episode, he wears a costume with a clock head and crown, uh, which is actually uh, similar to the costume worn by the first Clock King in the comics, which I had no idea, was uh, William Talkman mm-hmm. that was premiered in the <laughs> 60s. Um, and that's much different than the Temple Fugit version that we get you know, in, in the animated series and things like that. Um, yeah, he even showed up in uh, the 60s show. Yeah, that's right. He did. Yeah. So, yeah, cool little throwback there. And and that goes back to your, you know, they do a lot of throwbacks in this show. So, uh, really fun show, though. Let's move on. The So, that was Rise of the Blue Beetle. The next episode, I believe it's episode eight of the series. Yes. And this one is Fall of the Blue Beetle. Uh, so in this one, two years ago, Batman and the Silver Age Blue Beetle arrive to investigate a company and quickly subdue hostile security guards. Continuing inside, they set off an alarm and are caught between approaching laser grids, each hero disabling the one on their side with high-tech gear. The floor collapses, dropping them into a cafeteria and forcing them to engage in some old-fashioned fisticuffs. In the present day, Paco and Jaime are camping in the desert and discussing superhero origins. Jaime angrily insists that that there are heroes who are chosen for a reason, but Paco believes it's all just dumb luck. So we're kind of setting up um, that there has been previous Blue Beetles. We get the Silver Age Blue Beetle here, uh, which we find out is Ted Cord, and we get. I love this that we that we're going back to Paco and Jaime. That we've got that friend dynamic that continues from the from the pilot. Um, so, what did you think of the beginning there, Joe? Where we get Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Oh, such a cool throwback. And it says two years ago when it starts. So, you know, it's a flashback and yeah, it's, it's cool to see the original Ted Cord because we've already seen Jaime and now we're getting, we're getting that call back to the first episode where he discussed that there was a prior blue beetle and, and we're, we're learning what Batman knows a little bit, but we're going to find out how little Jaime knows and how he's going to try to find out what's going on. But it's just, it's again, it's another example of them showing Batman working with another hero and how Batman works with each hero a little differently. And I love the, you know, the banter again, back and forth and how like he says something about like using his brain, but then like, but sometimes it's, it's fun to get into the fisticuffs. Like they talked about, like it's again, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I love in this show where it does go back and forth between different ages Mm. and, and we're getting, you know, this is like the blue beetle, almost like the blue beetle history episode where it's teaching us about all three or, or the three that we're going to discuss here. It's, it's such a, a focused episode on all three of them. And especially with, with Dan Garrett, like I, I don't know anything about Dan Garrett. We obviously know Ted Cord. He's the one that we 
probably grew up on. And Jaime is the one that we know more just because he's the most recent one. But I love that they even give Dan Garrett um, even a little bit more of a backstory too. But as far as the intro with Ted Cord, um, yeah, it's just fun to see Ted Cord on the show because I, I guess because if you're watching it for what it is and you know Jaime is Blue Beetle, you don't really expect to see Ted Cord. It kind of throws you for a loop, but it's fun to get that flashback so we get to see different interpretations of the characters. Yeah, for sure. And I do love that you were talking about the different interpretations. You can tell immediately without even getting into the backstory that there's something completely different about Ted Cord than there is from the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from just the look. Like you can tell in an even in an animated fashion that Ted Cord's Blue Beetle suit is not you know, some kind of alien tech, you know, it's closer to Batman than it is to a blue Beetle. And I also love the dynamic between Batman and the different heroes, because when we watch the, you know, when you watch the pilot, when it's him and green arrow, it's like almost a competition between the two. Mm -hmm. And then in this episode, when you see Ted cord and Batman together, it's almost like admiration. Like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're exactly. And they're comparing, you know, this little gadget with this one and like almost like taking notes on each other, which I think is neat. Yeah. All right. So the magnetic supervillain, Dr. Polaris steals gold from a depository while easily deflecting the guards bullets, Batman and the teenage blue beetle move in, but blue beetle is more interested in discussing if he was chosen deliberately or randomly to be a blue beetle. Batman says he's nothing like the one that he knew. Dr. Polaris takes control of Batman's utility belt and pulls the hero towards him. The Cape Crusader quickly releases the belt and activates a timed explosive, knocking out the bad guy. He tells Jaime that he's nothing like the Blue Beetle he knew, and Jaime is surprised he's been holding out. Batman angrily refuses to discuss the matter further and departs. Once he's gone, the Blue Beetle's armor downloads internet data for him on his predecessor, who who operated out of Hub City. Blue Beetle arrives at Cord Enterprises and his armor takes over, flying him to the secret lair below. The lights come up to reveal a high-tech facility, but covered in dust. Jaime finds the Bug, the Silver Age Blue Beetle's high-tech flying vehicle. He taps into the systems and accesses the trip log, showing his last destination. Jaime thinks his predecessor may be in danger and ignores his armor's warnings to backtrack along the route. Okay, so I have no idea who Dr. Polaris is, and that's probably, <laughs> I know, maybe it's a, a silver or golden age villain that I'm just not familiar with. But, you know, I still like that they do these throwbacks because I feel like there's a lot in this show that's DC, you know, throwback Easter eggs. So that's that's really fun. But I also love that, you know, we get into more of where I think is typical Batman realm, where there's this young, almost not really a sidekick, but, but he's under Batman's wing kind of character. He's wanting to know more about himself and his world at large. And Batman probably doesn't think he's ready. So instead of giving him into any mentoring device, he kind of just shuts down and doesn't talk to him, which you don't think about this being that kind of Batman show. But even here, there's that aspect. Well, that's what's so, I think, brilliant about this show is despite its reputation for being a kid-friendly, fun show with a lot of humor, it does get very serious at times. Mm-hmm. And it's still true to the character of Batman. Like you said, it's not strictly just humor. You know, you're still seeing Batman withhold information from another hero because he thinks it's what's best for him. Like, that's that's so on brand for Batman in every iteration. And you could tell like he does he doesn't want to tell him what's going on. He's he's withholding that for like I said for his own good he thinks. And but I love that you know we get to see Jaime do his own investigation and try to figure out what he can. And that's where the story takes us. Yeah, and I love all these, you know, throwback blue beetle artifacts that he finds. And I, is the bug is it not originally part of Jaime Reyes's you know, arsenal because I know, I know they set it up that it's, it's Ted cords. You know, it was the original blue beetle. I always thought it was Ted cords, right? But it's always, I thought it was just always widely associated with blue beetle as a whole, because you know, you see it 
I don't think it is. Do you not see it in Young Justice here and there? <sighs> but I think they got it from Ted Cord. Maybe. Maybe so. I, like it's Ted Cord's ship, and like they have it from him because Ted Cord didn't use the scarab. He had everything as right. you know, scientific technology as opposed to alien technology. So like it, it's kind of the old saying, like, why would why would the Flash need a car? He can run. Why would Blue Beetle need a ship? He could fly. True. And and I guess that they'll probably set that up in the movie as well, that it was Ted Cord's. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm gathering is he gets it from Ted Cord in the movie as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Batman flies off. Wait, on the wrong place. The bug arrives at mm-hmm. a cloaked island, but before Jaime can investigate, Batman contacts him by radio to apologize. He says that there's some things Jaime isn't ready to learn, but Jaime informs him he's investigating his predecessor's dear disappearance and cuts off. The bug lands and blue beetle-like robots emerge from the ground to attack. Jaime manifests a battle cannon and starts destroying them, but a scientist arrives to tell him to stop. The man introduces himself as Ted Cord, the Silver Age Blue Beetle, and they're on Science Island. Batman flies towards Science Island, remembering how Ted Cord used to get him in trouble. He remembers back to when he and Blue Beetle broke into a laboratory to recover the alien scarab that Ted loaned to a scientist. They confront the scientist in his lab, but he activates robots to attack them. The scientist flees, but Blue Beetle manages to snag the scarab from him before he escapes. So we're getting a little more set up there. And I love that we're going into like, we're kind of taking a, a long trip to get to the, to the end point here. And we're getting these flashbacks of, of Ted Cord and Batman and the setup uh, of this rogue scientist who I kind of saw this coming. As soon as they started setting up a rogue scientist, I was like, okay, well this guy on science Island, he's not Ted Cord. <laughs> But I do like the setup because we're getting even more of, of Jaime learning, you know, that not everything is as it seems and he's doing his investigation, as you said. But also there's a little bit of a learning, you know, for Batman here because he is learning that his tactic doesn't always work. And I like that he actually reached out to apologize to Jaime because that's something I think they cut that short sometimes in Batman media. Yeah, very true. It's almost like some... Maybe some writers are apprehensive to show Batman in that light where other writers, I think, embrace that where he might be a little stoic to begin with, but he's going to ultimately still care. Yeah. And it's just a difference of opinion on on what some writers would want to do and some won't. But yeah, I, I love this. I love that they... I think this is what the best comic interpretations do is they take very important moments from the comics, but change them a little bit to fit the story. So like Ted Cord's death in infinite crisis is such a huge part of the character, but they're changing it up here to make it more relevant to the story they're trying to tell. And I love that. Like, I think Ted Cord making a sacrifice is much more important for this show than the way he dies in infinite crisis. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So, And I like that they incorporate Dan Garrett so much more because I don't think there's that much connection with Dan Garrett and the Scarab in the comics, but I could be wrong. No, I, I think it is kind of, you know, that Ted Cord discovers the Scarab kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then, of course, Jaime Reyes. And is that even is that even a retcon? It could like be. The Scarab? I think the scarab was invented with Jaime Reyes and it's a retcon that Ted Cord had the scarab. Um, like, I don't think the scarab was ever introduced until they decided to introduce Jaime. Right. Which I mean, it's, if it's a retcon, it's one that works. So, Oh, absolutely. And I, I think the show does a great job of bringing all of that. Um, not full circle, but makes everything relevant. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but on Silence Island, uh, quote unquote, Ted kind of gives Jaime a guided tour of the island and boasts of wanting to help mankind by harnessing the power of the scarab. So he gets Jaime to agree to, to hook the scarab into into basically his his island to power his his robotic minions. And Jaime mentions Batman and Ted laughs knowably. 
after Jaime is done, he goes to grab some rest and tells his and Ted tells his robots to go on defense patrol against Batman. Batman arrives at Science Island and Beetle drones attack the bat plane, bringing it down. Ted watches the screen in satisfaction. Meanwhile, Jaime stumbles over a drone and discovers that it is armed with bullets. His armor activates and he goes to investigate, finding a room full of battle robots equipped with weaponry and prepared to travel across the world. Before he can call Batman, Ted arrives in a battle suit and disables the scarab armor with lasers while thanking him for warning about Batman. Um, so yeah, I, I, even they, they still haven't introduced who this, you know, Ted Cord impersonator is, but I, I like that, you know, cause I like that we're in Jaime's shoes because at this point we don't know that's not Ted Cord. Um, even though it's kind of suspicious. And like I said, I kind of knew from the get go. Okay. I don't think this is Ted, but if you, if you don't know anything about the history, you might think this is Ted automatically, right? Yeah. Or a clone of some sort or something like you, you knew something fishy was going on, but I didn't know where they were going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, but I will say this is the second episode in a row where I guess Jaime's weakness is exposed really quickly because this is the second person to take the, the scarab off of him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, all you got to do to beat blue beetle is get that scarab off. <laughs> <laughs> it's Batman's utility. Yeah, belt. exactly. A good point. Um, uh, Batman finally, uh, you know, he finally comes across Jaime and uh, after he surrendered, Ted ties him up while boasting that he will now bring peace to the world through conquest. Uh, once he's gone, Batman explains that this is not Ted Cord. This is Jarvis Cord, Ted's uncle. Ted promised to carry on the mantle of his predecessor, Dan Garrett, but couldn't get the scarab to work. Instead, he used high tech to fight crime, but trusted Jarvis to try and access the Scarab. Batman and Ted try to stop Jarvis from launching his robots across Hub City, and Blue Beetle put the Scarab in the warhead of the missile to send it to someone worthy, but then rode it as it launched. In the air, he detonated the rocket at the cost of his own life. Batman wasn't sure if Jaime was ready to hear about his predecessor's death, but inspired... Blue Beetle regenerates his suit and breaks free. Jarvis orders his robots to attack, and they break into the control center and subdue Jarvis. And Jaime ties into the computer system and destroys the reactor before it launches. The island blows up all around them as they flee with Jarvis, and the robots open fire, and Batman tells Jaime to go on ahead. The drones open fire, overwhelming Batman despite his best efforts. They prepare to open fire, but Jaime returns in the bug to blast them apart. They fly away just as Science Island blasts apart. Jaime apologizes to Batman for becoming obsessed with the Scarab's origin, but Batman notes that the Scarab chose him when it didn't choose Ted. Jaime vows to do the right thing. So where is the last episode? I thought, you know, the the whole climax and the, and the end of the episode with the island or the, the, the planet was a little much, you know, it got into that silly territory. I really like where this one ends. Because you get a lot of heavy moments, you get, you know, you find out about the the death of Ted Cord and how he sacrificed himself, but you also see even more of Jaime be coming into his own as a hero. So I thought this was really well done. No, I completely agree, and I I kind of jumped the gun before when I was talking about I kind of went to this part before I even <laughs> talked about the last part. But yeah, I because I I do this is my favorite part is is showing. Ted's sacrifice and and Batman explaining all this to Jaime and and yeah you get Jaime understanding and I think Batman says like not all superheroes have happy endings and I I think in a show that is humorous this is a heavy moment and I like the reveal of Ted Cord you know actually being um Jarvis Cord and surprisingly that is from the comics I looked it up and I was surprised I don't know how much he appears in the comics but he is from the comics the story's a little different. It's not the same type of deal, but but he does exist. Oh, see that, and that's something you've taught me because I I didn't know he was <laughs> a, a thing, which I assumed being part of this show because they do put a lot of DC mythology in it. I assumed he probably was, but I have no knowledge of him whatsoever. Um, 
but yeah, it's actually pretty similar. It's actually pretty similar in the book. They change up a couple things to tie it back into what they're doing on the show, but there's a science Island. It's called something different in the book, but uh, yeah, I just looked it up real quick just to be, cause I was curious when I was watching the episode and it's pretty, you know, Dan Garrett ties into it. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that they, they basically found that and said, okay, let's use this in our own way. And I love that. So is science Island kind of blue beetles back cave? Or I couldn't tell you that. I think it's more, um, it says Pogo Island. Um, and I, like I said, I just looked this up on Wikipedia. This is not me knowing anything. I I'm reading one paragraph on Wikipedia, not enough to have any opinion on this other than, um, I don't even know if this was a common thing or just one specific story where they did this. So gotcha. Um, it just says that, uh, Ted's old professor was Dan Garrett, the original blue beetle. Once Dan and Ted found Jarvis on Pogo Island, they were attacked by Jarvis's robots. So again, like he was the evil Ted Cord, basically. Um, he was his uncle and is a, a brilliant scientist, but he he was using Ted's knowledge to do evil things with these robots and stuff, and they had to stop him. Yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I I thought this was even though I did I really did like the pilot. I thought the pilot was a great start for this show. I thought this was a much stronger episode. Um, I really like the dynamic between Batman and Jaime here. Uh, I love that you know Jaime is just insanely curious about how he became Blue Beetle. And, you know, he's even discouraged when his friend Paco tells him, you know, it's just kind of dumb luck, you know, because I think they're discussing Green Lantern at the beginning and how he how he got his powers. The ring makes the the hero, not the person. Right. That kind of thing. And I love at the end, you know, there's that reassurance from Batman. Well, the Scarab didn't chose Ted, you know, it didn't choose Ted Cord, but it chose you. And I really like that because it's 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 giving more credence to that hero's journey. Definitely. But that is our two episodes of Batman, the brave and the bold Joe, unless there's, there's anything else you wanted to touch on there. No, um, two, two really fun episodes and two really informative episodes of what to, you know, you get the, almost the cliff notes version of blue beetle as a character. Mm -hmm. And, and we're going to see another version of that, the, of notes um <laughs> another version of uh the history of uh blue beetle uh talking about the young justice episode but i think that's a really interesting you know fun way to show jaime and how he he came to be and and incorporate all the other blue beetles it's just yeah it, i like that you know we go from that to now going into young justice we're getting a totally different show tonally but still the heart of Jaime Reyes is pretty, pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but to move on, let's move into that next show. So we are talking about young justice now. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. All right. So this is season two, Joe. Season two, episode 18. Yes. And the title is intervention. Um, so in this episode, and we're not going to, we're not going to go through the entire synopsis because the synopsis for this show is much longer than, than the ones. It was quicker to watch the episode, I think. Uh, than, than for the uh, Batman, the brave and the bold, much more complex show. Um, but in this episode, you know, we, we kind of start with the black beetle and the green beetle, correct? And yes. they're, they're facing off against, um, against this, this force. And you kind of get an idea that something else is going on behind the scenes. And it took, I I was telling Joe before we, before we started recording, it took me a few minutes because it's been a while since I watched young justice to really figure out what was going on. But then I remembered that this episode was, or this season was titled invasion. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this season was all about the reach. 
Yes, and this is one of those shows where, man, they should have started every episode with previously on. But I think that would have even taken too long. That's probably why they didn't do it. Like, how do you sum up everything you need to know going into this episode in like 30 seconds or a minute? So, but I could have used a little bit of a recap because I, it's been a long time since I've rewatched um, the show, which all this did is remind me that I really need to rewatch the show because, man, I love this show and I miss this show. And, and as much as I was happy this show came back for seasons three and four, I do think seasons one and two are, I, I mean, I don't want to, crap on seasons three and four but i do think seasons one and two were almost perfect and i don't think three and four could have ever lived up to that i enjoy seasons three and four as as much as i can but season two i think is is just masterful storytelling in animated long form it's so crazy what they pulled off on this show and it's going to be a hard episode to talk about just because of the nature of the show and I, I assume we'll just kind of focus on Blue Beetle as a character in this episode because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and that was my plan. Kind of make broad strokes on this one. The, the big picture you need to understand is that uh, there is this invasion from this galactic group called the Reach, and they have taken control of... I think the whole point behind the episode was you didn't know who to... or the season was you didn't know who to trust. You didn't know who had been kind of taken over by the Reach, right? Yeah, and you know that Jaime, like, it's the Reach have taken over the Scarab, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, Jaime doesn't want to be doing anything he's doing. He's trying to fight it, but he can't. But he can't communicate that to anybody. So they don't know whether to trust him or not. Right now, they do not trust him because he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. But he's he's like playing it up for the public too. So the public thinks he's a good guy. It's, it's a, like, it's a very complicated show, <laughs> but it was, it's done really well. Like I, everything about this show, it, the hardest part about this show is picking one episode and just going back and watching it because you can't just kind of jump into it. Yeah. But I think the, the major point that I really like is that the reach, um, they have this invasion going on, but they're trying to, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to keep the status quo, right? Um, they don't want to cause too many waves or, or bring attention to themselves. So whereas they've taken over blue beetle, um, they're keeping him heroic. Like they're having him save masses of people. You know, there's this, mm, there's exactly. in, early in the show, he defeats toy man in metropolis of all places. Um, and he's just the only, you know, weird indicator here is blue beetles being, being much more boastful than he normally Mm -hmm. would be. Like he's soaking in the adoration of the crowd and things like that. Um, which is a red flag to the rest of the, uh, I keep wanting to say teen Titans, but I don't know if that's even applicable here. Um, I think you could say the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember if they refer to themselves as the Titans or not in the whole. Oh, that's a good question. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, it, it's. I, I can't remember either. But they are. They're the Titans. Yeah, it's OK. <laughs> but I love that Jaime, uh, what they set up here, which sucks, absolutely, is basically he's trapped in his own mind. Like he can't control his body. He can't control the scarab. And he's just kind of a voice in his in his own head. Um, and he doesn't want to be doing these things, but he doesn't have a choice. And I like that there's a few, you know, mostly the Titans are kind of distrustful of him, but there's a few, you know, we get the like Batgirl and impulse, you know, they know something's wrong. They know it's not, it's not right. This can't be Jaime. And I love how they kind of track him down before he goes home and, you know, they just want to figure out what's going on with him, but they kind of trap him to help him. And and I like that because early in the episode without kind of the context of watching the whole season again, it was like half the people in the Titans were like, kind of screw that guy, you know? And they also just met him. Um, so like they're, they don't know him that well. uh, That's right. So, and Jaime doesn't trust the Scarab, so nobody is really confident in where they stand. And like, it's not like Jaime is confident in what's going on with the Scarab either. So they have probable cause for not trusting him because he's not exhibiting that confidence to say, hey, like, no, it's good. Um, 
and it's still new to everybody. But I, I love the fact that Impulse and and Batgirl are the ones to basically come up with a decoy to to stop, you know, or to save him, and and get him to, you know, break free of the the mind control or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and it's kind of they kind of also bring together the team to help Blue Beetle mm-hmm. as well. Um, even though the team is, you know, untrustful of blue beetle, they all kind of come together once they reach, cause they go to like the reaches layer or the ship where they meet uh blue beetle and green beetle or black beetle and green beetle, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, or is it just green beetle? It's just green beetle. I think, um, there's this big battle between all of them and the Titans end up helping Jaime, like you said, regain, you know, his own body and his powers. And they also free green beetle in this episode from the reaches mm-hmm. hold. I really like that too. Cause that that's a character I don't know much about. Um, but I like that. He's, he's also one of these scarabs that doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to do the reaches bidding, but he's being forced to. Um, I'm pretty sure that the green beetle and the black beetle are introduced in this show. I don't know if they've been since, been added to the comics but they were not I, I again i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure they were original characters for the show mm. yeah i and i i do think you're right because i don't remember them from anything else but again i haven't read much blue beetle either so take that with this whole season was about the scarabs and and the mm. reach trying to figure out you know how to use the scarab and i honestly don't even remember if green beetle ended up being a good guy or a bad guy i thought he was a bad guy he could have been, but at least for this episode, he seems like he's a good guy at the end. <laughs> Black Beetle definitely was a bad guy, right? Definitely. He was a okay. bad guy. Then I, then I don't remember what the deal was with Green Beetle because it's been a while. Yeah, but but again, as you mentioned earlier, as we, as we go further into this episode, um, after Jaime's kind of been freed from the control he was under, we find out that Batgirl... Um, has been doing a little investigating with Robin and they had hacked into Ted Cord's file. So you had talked about kind of getting more of that background. Um, so why don't you touch on that a little bit and tell us a little more what we learn here. Um, as far as Dan Garrett and, and Ted, yeah. Cord and all that stuff. So I guess that's why this episode really comes up a lot when discussing, um, blue beetle as a character and where to find the best material for him. And and I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched this in a couple days and it's fuzzy because it's a, like it's, it's a pretty similar case to what's done in brave and the bold where it's taking the mythos, but kind of spinning it a little bit to make it relevant to what's going on here with the reach and everything. And if I remember correctly, the same thing here with the scarab, you know, they, they retroactively bring Dame Garrett in with the Scarab. Mm-hmm. Blue, um, Ted Cord, and again, I could be mixing this up with the other one, but Ted Cord basically holds the Scarab because he never wanted to bond with it. Um, And then he is killed. I'm trying to remember how he was killed. Well, I, and I think uh, to, to help you out a little bit, since I have the notes here in front of me, um, I like that the switch here is where it was just basic science before, and it was an investigation into this alien tech. Dan Garrett was an archaeologist in this. Yeah, version. so I'm, I'm watch. I have it out in the background now, and they, yeah, they almost do like an Indiana Jones type character, right? Uh, yeah, Dan Garrett, which is really fun. Yeah, and it's all the the you know the the hieroglyphics or whatever you want to call them on the wall and that they notice like Batgirl notices the stuff on the wall. And it's, yeah, it's a fun, again, they're, they're doing their own thing, but it makes sense in retrospect to the show. Yeah. And, and I like that in this version, Dan even uses the scarab to become blue beetle. Yes. Um, But then Ted, he puts it in storage. So that I I think I might have said that was the case for Brave and the Bold, and I might have been confused in thinking about this when I was talking about Brave and the Bold. But yeah, and then I love how you know when Ted is killed, the Scarab goes right to to Jaime. That's how Jaime comes across the the Scarab, and we see. I believe this is the first time we see his true 
origin. I mean, it's not much. You just see the scarab bonding with him or or finding mm-hmm. him in this. But that's that's how it happens. Is Ted is killed by the light, and the scarab goes and searches out for Jaime. Or I mean, in this case, Jaime just happens to be walking by Court Industries. So I don't. They don't really go into the fact that he was chosen or not, but he does bond with it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what I really like about the beetle um, is that, or the scarab, excuse me, is that it's sort of like the power rings is, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the green lanterns rings Yeah, in that it chooses, you know, a worthy successor. I, I really like that aspect and it could be kind of parody, but I think the lanterns and the, and the scarabs are so wildly different that it's just, you know, it's, it's fair to think that there's multiple cosmic devices that could be used that way. Yeah. Like they're, it's the same principle, but done in very different ways. This is almost more of like an AI. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems almost like, um, you know, you have the voice talking to them and stuff. So it, it's, I mean, I guess it is like an alien intelligence, but it, it comes across where like he has full on conversations with it, where the green lantern rings just kind of give information. They're not actually conversing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, there, there is more to the episode, but that's kind of the, the big recap of, of the blue beetle portion of the episode. And I really like that in both of these versions from the brave and the bold to the young justice part, we do get, more digging into the the history of Ted Cord and Dan Garrett and and the scarab and how it was discovered and how it chooses people and at the end of the day explaining how Jaime is worthy of of wielding and being part of the scarab, um, which I'm hoping is 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 a lot of what we see in the movie when we see it later this week. I hope we get a, as much as I want to see Jaime, you know, kick ass as the Blue Beetle and his and see what villain he's going to come up against and and all of those shenanigans. I do want some of that backstory as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Ted Cord story as much as they can give us, if that makes sense. Yeah, just give give a little bit of the uh, you know the legacy characters. We know we've already seen like the costume in the background. Um, we've also seen you know what is it called the bug? The that's what you call the, the flying ship. ship the, bug? the bug. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never heard <laughs> referred to as that. That's cool. Um, so yeah, we're getting that. We're getting. I believe it's Ted Cord's sister is uh, Susan Sarandon's character. I believe so. Yeah. So maybe that's um, in place of Jarvis Cord, possibly. Yeah. So they they have to hint at it in in some aspects because she's playing you know a chord. Um, so yeah, I would love just to see even some flashbacks, maybe of someone in the suit and and you know so, uh, some info given to Jaime about the history of the character when he stumbles upon you know the bug and and you know all that good stuff because he finds the bug, he finds the original suit somewhere we know. So yeah, it it should be really fun. And obviously the sh- the movie's gonna focus on Jaime. It should focus on Jaime, but yeah it's going to be an origin story of some sort where they're going to touch on the legacy of the character. Almost kind of like um, the, the comparisons are pretty obvious, but like almost like Ant-Man did with Scott Lang, where we still had a lot of stuff with, um, ah, oh, crap. What's, uh, <laughs> what's the original Ant-Man's name? Oh, um, Hank Pym. Michael, Hank Pym. Yeah. So like, it's almost kind of to that nature. I don't think it'll be to that extreme. Um, they don't have Michael Douglas playing, you know, the, the main, you know, we don't, I don't think they casted Ted Cord, or at least they didn't publicly cast them, but we might get a little cameo here and there, but either way, whatever they do is fine. Um, I'm really, you know, it's, it's another DC movie. I know this one's not getting the hype that others do, but also try to remember this was, this was going to go to streaming. This was going to be an HBO max movie. That's what excites me the most is they, they saw enough in this film where they said, no, this is, this does not belong on streaming. This needs to be in theaters. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I know everyone's, you know, not to get negative here before we close it out, but I know everyone's, you know, just calling this thing dead on arrival, but whatever it does is better than what it would have done on HBO max. I'm sorry guys, but like (laughs) it wouldn't have made any money on HBO max. So 
whatever this gets out of being in the theaters and and it got a little bit more of a budget to get to theaters and i'm just hoping it's i'm i know i'm going to be entertained uh from what i'm seeing with the early reactions it's it's emotional which i'm always here for that's that's what gets me invested in these movies is the emotional aspect and I'm just excited for another DC movie to go see. We're, we say it a lot. We're spoiled. It's to the point now where we get so many of these that we can not be crazy about one and it's okay, but I'm still excited to go see it on, on hopefully Thursday night. I'm in full agreement with you and that's where I will be Thursday night. And that will be our next episode of the show. But guys, I hope you have enjoyed our kind of lead-in episode here to Blue Beetle. And my challenge to you is Joe and I are not the most knowledgeable people in the world when it comes to Blue Beetle. So if you know of some great reading suggestions for us, shout it out. Let us know what's some good catch-up we can do to learn a little more about not only Jaime Reyes, but Ted Cord or Dan Garrett or any of these characters. Let us know. Uh, but but until then, until we review Blue Beetle for our next episode, that's where we're going to put a pin in it for today. So, Joe, thank you so much for the suggestions for this episode. And why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter or X, um, Instagram and Letterboxd as J411. And you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarato, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. And yeah, um, enjoy the movie, guys. Go see it. Hopefully everyone gets a chance to go see it in some way or another. And uh, and if not, try to just embrace the Blue Beetle week and, and read some comics. Re, you know, go uh, go search out some of these episodes. And I'm actually going to, I might search out that Smallville episode <laughs> and give it a little bit. Hey, there you go. Give it a chance. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram X and Letterboxd at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. The show's accounts can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and X at TFRBatPod. Once again, if you want to send us an email, you can send those to TFRBatPod at gmail.com. If you're looking for a way to support the show, the best, easiest, and the free way to do it is to just leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And if you take a moment out of your day to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, we will read those on the show. If you'd like another way to support us, you can go to redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word. We don't ask that you spend any money on this show, but if you'd like to, we certainly appreciate it. And our all kinds of merchandise is on Redbubble with our cool logos created by Justin Kowalski there. Also, our theme music was created by the wildly talented Gaurav Vintakeswar, and his music can be found at gvtunes.com. And once again, for our friends at Organic Priced Books, if you follow the link in the description to this podcast and use those promo codes, TFRBATPOD and TFRBATPOD, ship it together, go find you some Blue Beetle books to enjoy in the lead up to this movie. But go out and enjoy Blue Beetle this weekend. And until next time, remember to keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.
Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.